If you or someone you know is struggling with suicide, depression, self-harm, or addiction, please know you are not alone. Help is always easy to find and readily available. Just visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org for resources. You can also call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. Or text the word HELP to 741-741. There is hope out there. All you have to do is find the strength to reach for it. You know, as we come to the end of this phase of our life, we find ourselves trying to remember the good times and trying to forget the bad times. And we find ourselves thinking about the future. We start to worry, thinking, what am I going to do? Where am I going to be in 10 years? But I say to you, Hey, look at me. Please, don't worry so much. Because in the end, none of us have very long on this earth. Life is fleeting. And if you're ever distressed, cast your eyes to the summer sky. When the stars are strung across the velvety night And when a shooting star streaks through the blackness Turning night into day Make a wish Think of me And make your life spectacular I know I did You are listening to Wilhelm, a film-centric podcast for film lovers of all kinds. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Wilhelm. I am your host, Ben Beck. And on this episode of the show, we're doing something different. Uh, before, I, before I dive into what's different about this episode, for starters, there's two main things that are different. Uh, for starters, I don't have one guest this episode. I have three. So let's bring these guys in right away. You know that if you listen to the podcast, you know them already. They've all been guests on the podcast. They've all been great guests on the podcast, and they'll be future guests on the podcast. Uh, but I brought them in specifically for this one uh, because they were available. That's that's how it was simply put. Uh, so please welcome back to Wilhelm, Mark Kirkman, Alex Baelish, and Jerry Gomez. Guys, how you doing? Pretty good. That was the one time it was okay to talk over each other. (laughs) (laughs) What? Exactly. So (laughs) this, the other thing that's going to be different about this episode is there's no top five. There's no top three. There's probably not even going to be a lot of movie talk, to be completely honest with you. Uh, 
this is just a casual conversation. And the reason behind that is this week marked a, a milestone that I kind of remember personally every year. And that is because August 11th of this year marked the seventh anniversary of the death of Robin Williams. So anybody who knows me personally and knows me well enough knows two major things about me. The first is Back to the Future is my holy trilogy. That's without question. Yes. And the second is I am a massive Robin Williams fan. Always have been my entire life and probably always will be. So I I figured I was originally going to do this episode by myself. I was going to just do a solo tribute to Robin and be done with it. But I figure, you know, he meant so much to so many people. It made a lot of sense to bring in other people. So, guys, you guys are my guests for this conversation about Robin. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so we're just going to talk casually. We're going to talk about some of our favorite things we've heard about Robin. What kind of an impact it had on us when we heard about his death. The, you know, the kind of things that were behind it when we found out, you know, that it was indeed suicide and such. Uh, but I want to go before we we dive into the darkness of everything. I want to go around and I want to see if you guys I'm putting you on the spot because we didn't prep for this at all. So anything I bring to you guys, <laughs> I, we're just we're throwing it at the wall and seeing if it sticks. And it's really going to be on instinct. And. Well, it would be for the first person. And the other two guys get to think about it while the first guy's going. Uh, your earliest memory of Robin Williams. I want to start with Alex. Okay. Um, my earliest memory is Mark and Mindy. Okay. Um, you know, just him being a crazy guy. Um, and his famous Nano Nano and all the, all the stuff that goes along with Mark and Mindy. And... That was really my kind of introduction to him. Um, from there, a lot of other uh, things happened. And I'm not going to lie, you had a lot to do with it, too, because it's, so it's not so much that you love an actor or someone's work. Because of your passion, it really made me do a deep dive back into a lot of his stuff that I wouldn't do before. And it kind of makes you feel good. Oh, well, that means a lot. It really does. Um, Jerry, how about you? What's like your earliest recollection of anything oh, of Robin? Mark and Mindy as well. Okay. You know, watching that when I was a kid, you know, one of the things I, I watched every week when it was on. And when he started doing movies, you know, um, some of the early uh, was some of the ones from the 80s, I think Wait, it was had like World According to Garp. Yeah, and- that was my that was the first one. First movie I saw him in. And that was um, where I saw some dramatic uh, drama from him and throughout the years like when he did um some, like goodwill hunting was a good one you know so, that one just kind of made me cry at, at you know at some at points in that and when he did his villain roles like in um insomnia and one and a photo. one hour photo yeah. oh my goodness yeah <laughs> yeah just um, the range he had yeah yeah, he, he definitely he had an incredible range and it's such a it, it like to watch the evolution. We'll talk. We'll talk about it a little bit. But the evolution mm-hmm. of his acting is something that like I'm so mesmerized by and enthralled by. Uh, but before we, we, you know, we talk about stuff like that. What about you, Mark? What's your it was it Mark and Mindy for you as well? Or was it something else? 
Uh, I grew up on Happy Days, and okay. obviously Mork was introduced on Happy Days. But honestly, uh, in 1974, I was only two. But <laughs> before Mork and Mindy came on, I actually remember the episode that he showed up on Happy Days. That well, and, I mean, he was actually on two episodes of Happy Days. Yes, he was, and. As soon as Mork from Mork came on in 78, I was like so enamored with this, this character. And he was such uh, uh, like one of those oddball people. It's like, what is this show? What is this going on? And he just captivated you and entertained you and made you happy. Yeah. And, and that's the whole thing. And ever since then, every time I saw him in a movie and even Jerry mentioned it, you know, uh, the world according to Garp, it was adapted from a book, but he played a, a serious character. I didn't see it until like the like early 80s, probably I would say about 83, 84. And um, yeah, and then everything else after that. I, I just fell in love with anything he has done. It's I guess that's the one thing all four of us have in common then is is Mork and Mindy was our first introduction to Robin. And I mean, for many, for a lot of the world, that was the first introduction to Robin. He was really yeah. only doing stand up comedy before Mork and Mindy until the infamous day that he auditioned for Mork and Mindy by standing on his head on a chair in the office. And Gary Marshall walked <laughs> in and said, yeah, this is the guy. Like, this is the guy I need. And I I obviously I didn't watch Mork and Mindy when it aired because I was I wasn't born yet for starters. That's not the case. I know. <laughs> for any true Robin Williams fan, that's no excuse. I would have found a way, <laughs> damn it. Uh, but no, I discovered Mork and Mindy on Nick at Night. Uh, you know, I, I was I was a weird kid. Like I I'd still to this day, I'm a person they call with an old soul. Like I watched a lot of older television shows. I used to watch as like a six, seven year old kid. I was watching the monkeys and get smart and like, and Morgan Mindy. So that yeah. was when I discovered him. I didn't get into world according to Garth probably until my teenage years, because it was a little heavy for a kid. You think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredibly heavy for a kid. Yeah, I, I mean, and there is going to be an episode of Wilhelm in the future where we're going to talk about our top five favorite Robin Williams movies. And I can tell you right now, that's an impossible task for me. It's it's no. going to be one of my toughest episodes of the podcast. To do. It will be because you have to choose like a top five of your favorite Robin Williams movies. Yeah. And, and that, it's imp that, it's impossible. that to me is like really hard to do. I can give you top five. I can give you like top five of his worst movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. We all he, has, I mean, he has them. I mean, oh, yeah. As well, incredible of an actor as he is, you can't deny he, he did some bad movies like License to Wed. Hey, Krasinski was not that bad. <laughs> what I found funny about and, and good actors do this. They know when they have awful, you know, rotten eggs. Yeah. And they laugh about it. And, and that's the, the good actors. They know how to laugh about themselves and they know, hey, I did it for the money or it just was a bad movie. It was a bad decision. And that's what I find so fascinating about um, someone like Robin, who really was a working actor. Mm. You know, he, he didn't stop working until no. he never stopped. 
No, he and, didn't. And I think he came at a time where a lot of actors, um, where cartoons or animation became really popular. So he didn't have to, he was in the booth and people could appreciate him. And he ended up going to, to so many generations yeah. that that's why we're even having this conversation. Well, I mean, you and you mentioned the whole working actor thing, and this is one of the reasons why I'm glad I'm doing this with other people, because now we can kind of bounce off the conversation and keep the conversation going. When yeah. you talk about the working actor, and that's what he was his entire life, like even up to his unfortunate death, that was one of the reasons that kind of led towards his eventual suicide, unfortunately, is the crazy ones got canceled. And then he got this medical diagnosis of the well, he didn't know at the time it was lewd body dementia. He thought it was another diagnosis that he eventually started thinking it was the end of his career. And it led to depression. And then that was what led to that combined with the lewd body dementia. Dementia is what unfortunately caused his death um, or him taking his own life rather. But, you know, you, we talked about the evolution of his career and it's so interesting to watch when you really take because there's so many movies that he's done, whether mm. they're cameos or comedies or but, dramas. But ben. but Ben, it's not that he did so many movies; he did so many iconic movies. Yeah, and that's the but, thing. I mean, but I mean, that's the that's the you know you're talking about top five or top ten or even top twenty. You know, it, it's like asking a parent who's your favorite kid. Exactly. It's the one at the moment. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's the thing that just um, set the great ones are set apart because you could you could say a line from five or six different movies and it's a great not only uh, character, but it's a great, you know, movie. I, I think Ben could actually quote something and we all would know it. It was Robin. It's a it's a possibility. <clears throat> yes. But when you look at the span of his his filmography, I really don't think there's a genre of film he didn't touch. Oh, he touched so many between anime, dramatic, horror, thriller, or yeah, I mean you look at comedy. You look at dramatic roles like Google Hunting, comedy August Rush. Comedy is easy with you know mrs doubtfire and good morning vietnam uh you look at action adventure with jumanji oh yeah um i mean the guy did shakespeare when he did hamlet he did kenneth brenner's hamlet that was one of the i mean i'll be honest with you like kenneth brenner's hamlet is a amazing movie if you haven't seen it it is word for word the book because brenner doesn't doesn't with yeah it, I mean, it's a four-hour-long movie, and I remember, like at the time, this was pre-DVD. It was four VHS tapes, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Well, but Robin's in it, so I'm going to watch it." Yeah, he might only be in it for ten minutes, but I'm still going to watch it. And then I remember, like, yes, he really is only in it for maybe ten, fifteen minutes, but I remember loving Hamlet, and it was because of Robin I even watched it. You know, to that point. He had that magnet personality, but you know, one of the things that I just loved, and when I was do, I was recently doing this deep dive of Robin Williams, and um, 
I was watching the Craig Ferguson show and I was watching the old Carson shows. And one of the things that I love about him is he made comics laugh. Yes. And and they knew when they had him on his show, buckle up your seat because we are going on a ride. And, and I think that that is what's so amazing about him. Also, that as, as comedic as he was, his relationship with Billy Crystal and Whoopi Goldberg was so tight. They yes. knew they couldn't, you know, do a lot of things, but they had comedy and they did comic relief. I still remember giving my 10 bucks to mm-hmm. comic relief on HBO. And, you know, I just think that in a time where it was kind of like the last of the let's rally around type of stuff, that was like one of the last telethons that the whole world really kind of got behind. I know we have telethons now, but that was really huge. It was. Um, it was big. The, the first three comedy-centric things that they did, um, what was it called? I'm forgetting. Wait, are you talking movies? Are you talking comic relief or comic relief? There you go. Well, Alex just mentioned that's what he the was first talking. three comic reliefs uh, were were perfect, and you know Robin was very much in the forefront of that and pushed that. And I remember seeing that on HBO at the time when they came out. I remember I remember watching them on HBO, and because they were telethons and they had other comedians performing, I. I just remember being like, okay, Robin, Whoopi, and Billy are so funny. I don't care about the other comics. Can they wrap up their sets so we can get back to the three of them? Exactly. <laughs> because they were so funny. Yeah. Especially um, where he goes underneath Whoopi's legs and plays. Oh, yep. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't work really well in a podcast format because the listeners can't see what we're doing. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but mimicking something that looks like a little something. And it does this. Yeah. And da, la, 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 la. I mean, it, there were there were definitely jokes that were repeated. Um, you know, but like Robin was one of those guys that like I when I realized that I wanted to kind of I, I mean, like, I'll be honest, one of the reasons why I was so devastated by the loss of Robin and I was so I, I'm such a big fan of his still to this day. Like I will say am a big fan. I'll never say was a big fan. I don't mm-hmm. never words will never come out of my mouth is because he is the reason why I wanted to do something in the entertainment business. He's the reason I wanted to make people laugh because he made me laugh and that made me feel good. So I wanted to give that to other people and I'm not nearly as funny as he is, but I still enjoy cracking jokes and like having fun and having fun. You know, he made the, the problem with Robin Williams was, or is I was you want to rephrase that time? The problem this is the biggest problem. <laughs> he just makes it so goddamn easy that he makes you it think look that, easy. He I makes mean, it look and easy. I know and and you know it's not. And when you look at some of those um those interviews, looking back now, you can tell that he still gets the nerves, he still gets all the stuff. It's just it's Robin Williams, so you assume. And well, and that's what's kind of an interesting. He's human, just like anybody else. Well, I mean, and the interesting thing about that, too, and I'm going to I'll dive deep into a lot of stuff that I do know about him because I have read books. I've watched the biographies and, and such. So I do know a lot about him. He was obviously very animated. 
on whether it was a stand-up comedy act, he was incredibly animated. He was, or if he was on Carson or doing a talk show, like he was always very animated. It was very hard to keep him in the chair. Uh, in the beginning of his career, when he was doing cocaine and and such like he was on drugs very early on in his career he was an alcoholic very all in his career he is fully admitted that the reason why he was so animated on stage was because he was coked out and the reason why he was coked out was because when he first started and even into his career when he was doing the hbo specials like when he performed at the met which is an amazing Oh, I have that. I got that on cassette when it came out. I have it on vinyl and I have the video. Like it's of of course I still have the cassette. (laughs) Uh, But he has even said like the reason why he did the drugs to be it was so he could be on stage was because even at that point in his career, he had a fear that they were laughing at him because he was horrible and not because he was funny. Wow. Oh, I did and, not know that. <laughs> and it took him years to overcome that. But at that point, he had become the person he had become. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of By the um, 90s, I would say. Howie Mandel. I mean, he's got his intricacies, too. Mm-hmm. A lot of these comedians, that's their thing, is that they don't realize what they what effect they have on people. And it's all positive. It's just <clears throat> it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so so outside of obviously the movies and the stand up specials, we've all heard those stories of something he has done for other people, whether it's charity events or just something nice he has done. I'm sure we've all heard those stories. Yeah. Outside of the movies, what will go around again? What's one of your favorite stories you have heard about Robin, whether it's been confirmed true or not, because even if it's not true, I still like the idea that it could be, you know, so is there anything that stands out in your mind of a story about Robin that you kind of think of and, and smile? And I'll start with Jerry this time. Um, you know, as far as, you know, one, one thing I heard about was um, his friendships with other actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause he had, he was a good friend of Christopher Reeve and, yeah. you know, hearing about Christopher Reeve's accident, that was, you know, probably devastating to him as well. But, you know, the story and I, I later learned it wasn't true about, you know, the rumor that he had paid for some of Christopher Reeve's medical treatment. You found out that wasn't true. That's it. it I read that it wasn't true. So whether it is or isn't, it's like, where? <laughs> oh, see, I never looked into whether or not that was true. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm still going to continue believing that it was. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> going to continue believing it was as well. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, Alex, how about you? Anything that kind of sticks out as a favorite? Story? You know, I, I saw an interview with um, uh, when he was not not Ben Affleck, um, Matt, Matt, Del- uh, Matt Dillon, um, Matt Damon, Matt Damon. Okay. And, you know, Robin Williams was a huge name. That's one of the reasons why it went the way it did. You know, they were trying to pull him in and I forget how the whole story goes, but, you know, the fact that he worked with Matt Damon to make him a better actor. And, you know, when you think of Robin Williams, you don't think of serious actor. You think of, you know, the comedian that he he was, he is. But at the same time, he he works so well with other actors. And I, 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 I think that 
they just they had a special relationship because of that and i think that that's kind of an interesting thing when you can get a mentor and maybe he wasn't a full mentor to to matt damon but i just think that that's a really nice thing because actors do that and people do that in all sorts of walks of life but the fact that he he believed in the movie he loved the movie and he did his best in it and he carried as much as he could in it and he hit it out of the park and he won the oscar yeah, he only it. just won the Oscar for it. Yeah. That's all. I will mm-hmm. kind of disagree with you that at that point, you didn't look at Robin Williams and see serious actor because at that point, he had already done Dead Poets Society. Yeah. He had already done World According to Garp. He had already done uh, What Dreams May Come. I, I think he was pretty established. The Fisher King, he was already pretty established as a dramatic actor at that point. Okay. Um, but, you know, just to kind of bounce off your point, one of my favorite things about Good, uh, Good Will Hunting is uh, I heard the the behind the scenes of that scene where they're in the therapy and Robin talks about how his wife farted. Yeah. And it cracks Matt Damon up. That whole scene was improvised and Matt broke and they actually left that in the movie because it worked so well. And Matt's breaking caused Robin to break. And they just left the scene in the movie. And And that's what he was great at. You know, he was great at going off script I mean, you could probably tell us more than, you know, every single one of his movies, he probably came off a script five or six times. In some cases, it might not even have been a script. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what am, what I remember hearing, too, is when he did Aladdin, a lot of that was improvised. Oh, well. yeah. They, yeah. The, the director of Aladdin, the director and producer of Aladdin have come out and said, oh, we have hours of, oh, yeah. of Rob because we just <laughs> we basically just let him go ref mm-hmm. yeah they refed yeah, yeah. they basically they said they have hours <clears throat> of him mm-hmm. from him in studio uh but w- what about you mark anything that you know of that kind of sticks out in your mind as a favorite story robin uh lisa jacob who worked with him and mrs doubtfire uh she was wasn't doing so well within school during the time of filming and he wrote her a note for her school saying that he was a bad <laughs> ingredient to her uh, work <laughs> studies. And that was the reason why she was uh, and to please excuse her. That's fantastic. I haven't heard that story. I like that story. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have. I mean, obviously, I've heard a bunch of them. I heard about how, you know, usually anytime he was on a movie production, he would always try and get homeless uh, people to work as grips because he wanted them to have jobs while he was there. Yeah. Uh, and that actually has been confirmed as true. He really did do that quite a bit. Uh, one of my favorite stories, and I, I have a story about Robin that was told to me by the person who was there. And I'll share that for kind of at the end. Cause it's, it's one of my favorite stories, but one of my favorite ones I heard about Robin is, and this was from Sharon Osborne. Wow. Uh, Sharon was home sick and Ozzy and she was a huge fan of Robbins. So when she was at home sick, Ozzy went on tour and he felt bad about leaving Sharon at home. So he actually contacted Robbins people and said, Hey, would you be willing to record a video of yourself? You know, just wishing Sharon well. And Robin contacted Ozzy and said, I'll do you one better. I'll stop by. And he actually went to Ozzy's house to visit Sharon while Ozzy was on tour, went up to her room to 
pay well wishes to her and actually got in bed and sat with her and just hung out with her for like four hours and like had her (laughs) laughing and just wanted to cheer her up and make her feel better. Never met Sharon, never met Ozzy, but just knowing that Sharon was a fan and she was down, he did that. Yeah. (laughs) And and Sharon told that Mm -hmm. story on the view shortly after he passed. And I, I was so moved by that. Like that. I'm like, yeah, that's him. That's, That's just his personality. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, oh, kind of, one thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go, go for yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. One thing um, you've heard me do this already in, in previous conversations is that when I say we have three, three or something, I always say from, from Aladdin, uno, dos, tres, uno, dos, tres, <laughs> no substitutions, exchanges or refunds. <laughs> Aladdin right. is one of those movies that I can pretty much quote word for word. Mm-hmm. Cause I've seen that movie so many times all right with what we're talking about robin what are our top three comedic movies that we love what are our we're not doing that (laughs) okay i already said we're not doing a top three or a top five in this episode but what i find fascinating our favorites i should say it's too difficult and we're going to be covering that in a future episode okay what i find really fascinating is is his the span i mean he was he was always a groundbreaker on different subjects. Like he he started out in 77 doing the Richard Pryor show. Yeah. And then, you know, you look at something like The Birdcage, okay, yes, what is he playing? He's playing as he likes to say, a, 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 an older an older fag as he liked to say in the movie, right? And and he was proud of it. And my point being is he was always pushing the limits, trying to get people. And who was the who was the uh, um, Gene Hackman was the the protagonist, the ultra right wing person. So he was always trying to make people go Laugh. out of their comfort, go, go out, but go out of their comfort zone through laughter. I mean, look at look at uh, uh, when he was Adrian Cronauer. What did he do yeah. there? Same thing. I mean, you know, and there's a half a dozen roles, and I know Ben and and Mark and and Jerry could say <clears throat> well, something about all. Of them. He, he pushed that limit too, even with his uh, dramatic work too. With if you look in August Rush or Insomnia yeah. or uh, twenty, what was it? Twenty four hour photo. One hour photo. One hour photo. Uh, twenty three hours too many. Yeah, too many. <laughs> but uh, regardless, he was able to push that limit and to show what he can do as a, a creative person. But I think in his daily living, he wanted everybody to laugh. But he he always kept everybody close to him. Look at Christopher Reeve. He had Christopher Reeve be the godfather of his own son mm-hmm. at one point. Yeah. Well, I mean, that just showed like the, the, the family aspects of what he thought of his friends as well. Yeah. Like his friends, he thought of his friends as family, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I do the same thing. I know many of us do the same exact thing. Um, I was going to, there was another path I was going to go on to and I kind of got distracted, but that's all right. I mean, that's part of the point of this is just to kind of riff. I marked it all up. Sorry. No, yeah, you did kind of throw it off when you were like, how about we name our top? Nope, we're not doing it. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Sorry, sorry. Even though I said it at the beginning of the episode, Mark, we're not doing a top three. I I, I did a mark. So Wait, wait, wait. you didn't take over the podcast yet. 
so you're okay. No, that's Alex's. <laughs> that's my job. That's and Alex. Be, yeah, that'll be coming up later. That's Alex. And Jerry will be the sense of purpose. No, no. Uh, <laughs> you all three. You all three have your own zones. Alex takes over. Mark forgets things, and Jerry yes. does puns. It's exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we all have our points, and it's totally fine. Uh, that's why I figured it's going to be like it's going to be interesting to have all four of us on one episode. But what, you know, what I f- what so I far find, so good. What I find funny, Ben, is we probably all have lines from different movies that we use a lot. Oh yeah, and and I know you probably have more than anybody, Ben. But it's just like you know, I always use now's the time for cow. I use yeah. that all the time, <laughs> and you know what's three up and three down? It's the end of an inning. I mean, you know, these are these are uh, you know things that are in our lexicon, and I mean, and I'm, we're not going to get into specifics of movies, but I mean, Patch like I like Patch Adams. It's not my favorite, but I mean, it's got its moments which I love. But it's like that with all of um, all of his movies. Some you love, some you don't. But there's always something in every movie that you can probably quote or um, remember, and that's what it makes. That's what makes him so special. Well, it's like even even at one point, like if I'm, I'll still use it. I haven't used it in a while, but every once in a while, if I'm outside and I get blinded by the sun for some reason, and the moment I can start seeing again, I always quote Batty Coda from Fern Gully. And I'm like, I can see it's a miracle. <laughs> um, but I mean, like that's he's when we talk about the people that he has touched with his with his art and the span of that, that's the span of that filmography. He we've talked about the dramas and we've talked about the family comedy. There really isn't a generation he hasn't been able that that hasn't seen him or hasn't been able to see him like he hasn't always done adult movies so that only adults can see who he is or kids that are watching in secret uh you know you've got the night at the museum movies which are for kids aladdin happy feet like you've got the adult dramas you've got the really and they didn't come until later in his career and when you realize the issues that he had in his life you kind of understand why they didn't well, come until later, but you've got those really dark movies like One Hour Photo is a dark movie. Um, you have Centennial Man actually was more of a family film, but based upon life. Yes. And way to step on my conversation of dark movies by bringing up one that absolutely isn't, Mark. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You pulled another mark there, but it's all right. Do you have any good puns, Jerry? No. Yeah? Okay. No. Uh, but but one thing um but one it's thing, an albatross yeah it's an albatross <laughs> which Ben did not know about yes Jerry actually introduced me to a Robin Williams project I had not seen before and now it is a line that we use regularly within our group yes <laughs> is that as the albatross line and um I I still thank you for that Jerry for introducing me to something that he did that I didn't know about because. It's it's a rare thing, you know, but yeah. one of the other things we didn't talk about when it came to like helping people and stuff is the USO like that was something else that Robin did constantly was traveling to entertain the troops, you know, yeah. and not every comedian did that. No, you know, you had Robin Williams, Bob Hope, Lewis Black. Um, there are a number of other comedians that have traveled with the USO, but it was something that like he didn't question like it was. He got invited. He went. And some of the clips that you can find online 
of of that are are hysterical. But you know he didn't do Vietnam. You know why? Bob Bob Hope only likes a big room. God, <laughs> that was almost a Jerry joke. But yeah. it's true. It's a great line. <laughs> And I do remember what I was going to bring up earlier now, because I talked about if you look online for clips, uh, we were talking about like uh, you were talking about the Richard Pryor show and how he started on that and such. Right. Uh, if you have not seen this clip, I highly recommend you look for it. It's on. You can definitely find it on YouTube because I have watched it hundreds of times. There is a clip of when Robin Williams was a guest on the Carol Channing show. Oh, my gosh. It is. And you can see it in the clip. It is the first time they ever redid a sketch because it's a funeral scene where Robin comes in as somebody who knew Carol Channing, not Carol Channing, Carol Burnett. Sorry. Let me correct myself. The Carol Burnett show. Um, he, he plays this guy that comes in and plays a friend of the deceased to Carol Burnett's, who's the widow of the deceased. And he does this whole character role and it's all improvised and everything. And then they go to commercial. And when they come back, Carol addresses the audience and says, like, we've never done this before, but Robin wants to do it again. And when they do it again, he's a completely different character. <laughs> That's great. I have to watch that. It's so I anybody who's listening, if you haven't watched it, just go up and just go on YouTube and YouTube Carol Burnett, Robin Williams, because it's. <laughs> Well, it, it's pretty much almost like the spontaneity episode between him and Billy Crystal in the Friends episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Another improvised moment. With they him. didn't have a clue as to what they were talking about. And they're like, what? How do we deal with this? Because it, it wasn't scripted at all. It wasn't at all. <laughs> what I find amazing is when you talk about the Friends and, and that, and then the thing that I find really fascinating is there's not too many people that are that were on whose line is it anyways? Yes. That stole the show. That oh, is and, still one of the best episodes of that series. And yeah. and he he <coughs> just him and Wayne Brady just were un I mean Wayne Brady was that show. I mean, I know the other characters, I mean other actors were are great and they all are. It's just that he stole the show. Um and, well, nobody and I think it was by him. accident that he even went on there, right, Ben? It it wasn't an accident. He was basically he was filming one hour photo. Um, at, he was on a soundstage right there in one hour uh, in Burbank, um, oh. filming one hour photo. And they asked him like, "Hey, would you want to come over?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." Because <laughs> if you watch that episode, he has that same short blonde haircut, right? That he has in one hour photo because he was yeah. filming at the same time. And and I've talked, I've spoken to Ryan Stiles about that episode, and they Ryan said, had nothing but nice things to say about Robin. He said he was in there, he was having a blast, like he was, he was, he was finding everything everybody else was doing was just as funny as what they thought he was doing. Like he just loved performing, and and they all were having a ball. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, and that's what I said about before. You know, he just makes the actors around him better. It's it's another essential watch. Like outside of movies, I said that the Carol Burnett clip, uh, the Whose Line Is In It Way Anyway episode with him. The other thing I really recommend to people just to get a really deep insight into him is what there's an episode that he did of Inside the Actor Studio. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a double episode. It's about an it hour is. and a half. 
Um, Because those episodes were usually only 42, 45 minutes. And this one's like a full hour and a half episode. Yep. And like the insight you get into him when he does that episode all the way up until the end when he answers the students' questions and such. It's such a great watch. It is. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, it was a a good, awesome show. I feel bad, Jerry, because I, like, I know you haven't really been saying much, but I don't know. I feel like we might be talking over you a lot. No, you're good. OK. All right. <laughs> sure. um, before we- shut up, Jerry, you I- just said too much. <laughs> <laughs> so before, obviously, we got to talk a, a little bit about the darker end of mm-hmm. things and, you know, his unfortunate passing. I I remember. I, I was absolutely devastated when I got the news of his passing because, again, this is a man I had looked at. I, I'm not somebody who idolizes people. I don't look at people as heroes. Robin was the exception to that for me. He was the reason I did a lot of the things I did in my life. And I and at the time, I was also and I still do to this day. Every and I've made no I've never held this back. I've never not shared this with people. I'm somebody who has suffered from depression in the past. I've suffered from anxiety from things I've done in the past and just things that have happened to me. So I always looked at Robin because I knew he was somebody who had suffered from that. And then I, he was somebody I had always imagined overcame those demons. And then when it comes out that he passed on it's by his own hand. He committed suicide because of depression. That really hit me. And that really affected me hard because it made me realize, well, if he can't get past those demons, what if I can't get past those demons? You know, so that that's really a good reason. I know I'm getting a kind of deep on this, but uh, and kind of revealing, but I'm an open book, so I don't really care. You um, make a good point, Ben, because, you know, when I. I, you had posted something about his anniversary of his his death. I posted something as well. And a couple of people had commented that same thing. I'm not in so many words. It was like one of the few times I actually cared about an actor who died. And I think because he was in, he was so ingrained in our lives that he didn't feel like an actor or he felt kind of part of our no, personal I, life. I honestly felt like I lost a parent. I, I won't, I won't lie about that. Like I, I was inconsolable, honestly, for about two or three days. Like I called out of work because I wasn't going to be able to concentrate. I had people. And this is when I realized how much of an impact he really had in my life. Cause to me, I never really sat back and thought about it. Like how much he had an impact on my life. And then when he died, I had two or three people that I hadn't spoken to in decades, like in 10, 15, 20 years, reach out to me to make sure I was okay. And that was when I, when I was finally calmed down and I kind of started thinking about that. I'm like, wow, like I haven't talked to these people in years. And even then, this is one thing they knew about me was how much he was a part yeah. of my life. So I did. I honestly felt like I lost a parent. And because that's kind of how I looked at him a little bit. I don't come from the best family upbringing. I come from a broken home. And, you know, sometimes you kind of find comfort in people like that when that happens. Yeah. I understand it completely. You know, so but I, you know, how how did it affect you guys 
when you heard the news like it will you know we'll, we'll just go around again with that and i'm kind of passing the buck right now because <laughs> i'm i'm starting to get a little emotional about it, and I don't want to okay. keep about it. but jerry what, what about jerry, you? Go ahead. how did you yeah um you? when i was um when i heard about it i was i had been just been listening to the radio you know and i was painting my um i had, was repainting my living room with a friend of mine who was doing the ceiling because I'm not going to get up there, but because uh, <laughs> and I have a vaulted ceiling, but um, when I heard about it, it's it was just like one of those things that just makes you stop in your tracks and just say, you know, and say like, holy crap, you know, and you I, don't. I yeah. remember reading it and thinking, please, yeah. th- please let this be a hoax. Please yeah. let this be a hoax. Please let this be a hoax. Yeah, and um, and they said he had passed away, but even just passing away, you know, it wasn't determined to yeah. be a suicide until later, mm-hmm. but just even about hearing him passing away, you know, I can only recall two actors that I've ever shed a tear for. And it was him and Leonard Nimoy when he yeah. passed. Away. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, with like Nimoy, you know, I'm it's in, it was in February and I'm sitting out at work on the bench outside crying with biting ass cold. <laughs> but I, here I'm, I'm, I'm working, you know, I'm working with a friend and he's like, what, you know, what's the problem is like, well, you know, I'm sorry. This is one, one act, you know, there's very few actors. I very, like that much, you know, and these two were, you know, these two are up on my list. Yeah. I, I, there's been a number of actors I've kind of, I've gotten emotional over. Alan Rickman was another one mm-hmm. kind of um, David Bowie. I got a little emotional over, but none of them hit me like Robin. Mm-hmm. None of them did. Well, it's, and it's just yeah. because it was just the the length of time you experience it's like because this is since i was a kid yeah you know? and yeah and you're, I, you're absolutely right like you know <laughs> watching mork and mindy from five six years old and then having robin be a part of my life all that time i didn't discover alan rickman until the 80s with die hard i didn't discover bowie until i really started to appreciate music but you're right robin has been there pretty much my entire life so yeah. that's why that's why it felt like I lost a parent. Mm-hmm. So what about you, Mark? How did it how was you affected when you found out? When I found out, I was actually doing an installation at somebody's home, setting up their TV, mounting their TV, doing everything. As soon as I turn on the TV, what's on there? The news. And it was an afternoon installation. <clears throat> I knew nothing. I I had a smartphone, but I didn't have news up. But when it came on, it happened within the hour. And that's when it got leaked to the press. And I was like, oh, my God, there goes my childhood. Because literally, I grew up on Mork and Mindy and Happy Days and remembered him all through with Jumanji, all the movies and a flood of movies that he had done. And it did affect me in a sense of, I always thought of him as the entertainer, the happy man and realized, wow, everybody suffers. And I suffer through depression myself at times. It's seasonal and mild depression at that too. And the thing is, is that this man always put on a face and it's always the clown to entertain us or even just the actor to entertain us. And uh, it's between Robin, Freddie Mercury, and Rickman. 
that actually, you know, touch me so much. And they are so enlightening in what they do. And Rickman, you know, he suffered through cancer. Um, Freddie through AIDS. Robin through uh, depression, through a disease that he didn't know. And it's so sad. But the thing is, is that they gave us so much gold and genuine stuff. You know, we could always look back and watch those movies and be happy. Yep. And that's one of the reasons why I said earlier that I'll never say I, I was a big fan. I will continue to say I am a big fan because... I, I, I watched Patch Adams today, the day that we're recording this. I watched it. I watched Mrs. Doubtfire two days ago. I watched Hook three days ago. Oh, I, yeah. I will never get tired of these movies. Oh, no, no. And I will the- always, it did take me a while before I could go back and watch them. And I still there are still moments every once in a while where I'm watching a movie. It happened to me with Hook. Um, yeah. It like there's. Like there are moments where I'll watch a movie and I'll remember that he's gone and I'll get, I'll get choked up. Yeah. I feel the same way with Freddie or with Alan Rickman. I watched galaxy quest about a week ago. Such a great movie. (laughs) And I miss it. Uh, Die hard. And you and I spoke about this on adrenaline cinema podcast. Cheap plot, but way to go. (laughs) Exactly. I was going to let you do it anyway. It's fine. But regardless, (laughs) Uh, we we go to those movies that we love that we've seen them in. Yeah. Um. You know, what was that? The the Christmas movie. I'm forgetting. Uh, well, there's which one? Because he did a Merry Frickin' Christmas with no, Kale. No, not that one. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about a Robin Williams Christmas movie? No, no, I'm talking about Rickman. Uh, oh, okay. I'm like <laughs> the only Christmas movie I know he did was a Merry Frickin' Christmas with Joe McHale. No, 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 no. I'm talking to Rickman, but regardless, uh, anytime I hear a Queen song, love actually, love actually, that's okay. it. Thank you. Oh, Sorry, I, 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 th- I thought he meant Die Hard. That, well, that's also, <laughs> yeah, well, that's also a Christmas <laughs> movie. Yeah. We already brought that up. Okay, <laughs> but regardless, I uh, find an Adrenaline Cinema on episode. Uh, I don't know. What. <laughs> Cheap plug and pop by about to end this podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) I want to move. I I do want to move on though to Alex. Um, You know, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I not that I didn't feel anything. I I did. I mean, if you didn't get no, no, I'm just fine. No, no, no. The way I felt it. I am heartless, and my heart is three (laughs) sizes too small. But um, you know, I didn't feel it until after, like. You know, a lot of times actors, tragic things happen and they still have stuff going on. And then it kind of like uh, lengthens the the time that you don't have to think about it. And the longer he's been gone, the more you miss him kind of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's the thing. Like I, one of my favorite movies is Hook because it's such a great take on that story. And he was so, he. I mean, he took it. And it's such a, it was such an out of the box thing. It, it's just a great movie in that sense. And he had Julia Roberts. I mean, there was just all these different things yeah, that went on. Tinker Hell. Tinker Hell, exactly. Tinker Hell. But I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, 
when you oh, look no, at, apparently she was a nightmare to work with. Oh, was she oh, to so, wash her feet? So they've nicknamed her Tinker Hell because <laughs> they had to wash her feet yeah. after every she had like an assistant wash her feet after every yeah. cake. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Alex. That's that's fine. Um, But again, you know, like right before that, he did the Fisher King, you know, real light, real light uh, movie. Ha ha yeah. ha. Yeah, a I'm real saying, light movie with not at all full frontal nudity. For absolutely not. I mean, it's almost as light as The Handmaid's Tale. Um, but my point being is, you know, and then he did a whole bunch of runs of, you know, he did Aladdin and Toys and you know, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, which again, wasn't exactly, it was a comedy, well, it had its comedic side, but it also had its serious side to it. So, I, I mean, I, I love the fact that he balanced it. And and in terms of the, the, the original question, it, it's... The more I look back, the sadder I am that he's not going to produce more moments in our lives. Because it almost makes you wonder what else he could have done. Absolutely. Yeah. What else would we have seen from him? Um, you know, there was this, there's no big secret. You know, we all love the MCU. We all love all these different types of franchises. And every so often they have, um, you know, if the if if this was made in the eighties or this is made in a different time, the different the different actors that would be playing those, and you think of Robin Williams, where could he fit in some of the movies that we've oh, done I today? Know, I already know exactly where he would have fit, and it wouldn't have been in the MCU. Okay, Robin Williams was actually originally cast as the Riddler in Batman Forever. Okay, before Jim Carrey, this was actually back when Tim Burton was originally still supposed to be the doing the third Batman. Um, mm -hmm. Before Joel Schumacher took it over, the yep. original mm -hmm. the original cast was Robin as the Riddler. That would have been something. I, yeah, that would have been amazing. It would have been amazing. Yeah. And yeah. he ended up dropping out because Tim Burton left the project. Yeah. He didn't want to work. He didn't like the direction that it was going. The reason why he signed was because of Tim Burton. He liked what Burton did with the first two movies. Right. So when Tim Burton dropped out of the project and Schumacher took over, Schumacher took over. Robin left and it went to Jim Carrey, which I think Jim Carrey did a great job, but I would have loved to have seen a Michael Keaton, Robin Williams and Billy D. Williams third Batman movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Billy D. was supposed to return as Harvey Dent as well. Yes. Oh, wow. He was. Yeah. That would have been a totally yeah. different movie. Yeah, totally different. But one of the things that like to kind of tap um, to add on to what uh, you and Alex were saying, Ben, is that one of the things that kind of, you know, saddens me in life is untapped potential. You know, because we could see, you know, uh, with any actor that died prematurely, you know, um, or tragically is just what could could they have done? And he that, and I honestly think as long as his career was, he still had it. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, because every time you thought he he could there was nothing else he could do. He did it. Mm -hmm. came back absolutely you know he when you thought that he couldn't when you thought the drama and comedy was uh, he did it all then he yeah. he did animated and then once he did animated he did action adventure with jumanji and then he went dark with uh you know like we said one hour photo and world's greatest dad which was a dark comedy which is a really rough movie to watch right now oh yeah um <laughs> after his death because it deals a lot with suicide what um, I find what I find also interesting, I mean, and I, you know, I have the IMBD, uh, IMBD, 
IMDB. Okay, dyslexia. Okay, get over it. Hey, 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 I have dyslexia. All right, moving on. My my point being is, you know, you look at his his start, and this is the thing that I I find fascinating about. And I don't use the word lightly because I'm of a certain age as well. The older comics of the 70s and 80s and before that, they really worked their way up. Yes. And, you know, yeah, we, he started out like as I a said, mime. Well, he started out as a mime, but he also started out with Richard Pryor. Then he then he did a stint in Laugh-In, which back in the day, those variety shows were huge. Mm. And that's how, you know, those half-hour comedies just molded what he was. And when he got to when he got to do those bigger roles, that's why I really do believe when you look at the Saturday Night Lives and everything else that he's done, it just makes him such a more versatile actor and such a uh, off-the-cuff comedian that every one of his roles just explodes. Yeah. And like I said to you before, it just makes him want, everybody wants to be around him and everybody wants to be with him. I will, I'll, I'll share two stories and then we'll kind of wrap this. We'll kind of do some final thoughts and we'll, we'll wrap this up. And cause there's a couple of things I want to recommend people check out and such, but these are two personal stories for me. I remember when, obviously when Robin was still alive, this is the early 2000s. Robin had not toured in years. Like he had gone on 20, 25 years since he had done a tour. Yep. Um, you know, like live from the Met and stuff were really the last kind of stand up he did. Because once he got involved in movies, he didn't he didn't do stand up anymore yep. other than the USO stuff. And I remember I was I was dating a girl and my birthday was coming up and my mom told me, hey, I bought you tickets to a show. It's on this date at this theater. Do not go online. Do not look in the papers to see what show it is. I want you to be surprised. I was like, well, then how like how, how do I? Oh, no, that's right. She didn't even tell me where it was. She just told me what night it was. And I was like, well, how am I supposed to know where to go? She's like, your, your girlfriend knows where it is. She has the tickets. She's taking you. But the tickets, the tickets are from for the both of you are from me for your birthday. It's like, all right. Wow. Furthest thing from my mind at that point was Robin because he hadn't toured in decades. So why would I even think that was yeah. what it was? And I remember pulling up around the corner on 69th Street in Philadelphia to Tower Theater and pulling up the Tower Theater and seeing on the big marquee Robin Williams. And I just remember looking at her. And I'm like with my jaw on the floor and she's hysterical because I'm in utter shock. I was like, this isn't real, right? This is a prank. Like I'm being pranked right now. She's like, no, it's real. I'm like, like, there's no way. Like, how did I not know he wasn't, he was touring again. Yeah. So we're parking and I'm looking at the tickets and the tickets are row CC is the letters of it. I'm like, okay, so we're probably not sitting that close. It's probably going A through Z and then A, A, B, B, C, C. That's not how tower works. We show the, we show the usher my tickets and she's like right this way. And we're getting closer and closer and closer and closer to the stage. I'm like, this is surreal. Like, <laughs> I don't get how this is happening. 
Row CC was the eighth row. Dang. Wow. Because it went AAA through triple E and then AABBCC through double Z and then A through Z in the back. So I'm like, we're sitting fucking eighth row center for Robin Williams. Like this is not happening right now. <laughs> and then I saw the show. And of course the show was phenomenal. And then I got word when I looked into it afterwards, I found out it was him on tour before doing his HBO special live on Broadway. And I was like, I got to go. Like I have to go. And I was actually able to get my hand on two tickets to live on Broadway. So that HBO special live on Broadway that he taped for HBO, I was in the audience. Awesome. Dang. And I loved it. Yeah. And and then five years later, he did another tour and he came to Tower and I went to that one too. So every tour he did in my life, I went to, which I think is a, a great accomplishment for me. So I actually got to see him perform live three times. It's amazing. Which is that's good. And then and then the other story I'll share real quick and then we'll do final thoughts is I had Greg Proops on my spotlight podcast. And Greg was actually friends with Robin. So when I had him on the podcast, he was promoting his upcoming appearance at Helium Comedy Club here in Philly. And, you know, we got Robin came up in conversation and, you know, he was talking about friends. And I started talking a little bit about how much Robin meant to me. So when we went to I got invited to come to the show at Helium. And he told me, he said, when you get there, hang out. He's like, and we'll we'll talk after the show. I was like, all right. So once the show was over, Greg pulled me aside. He invited me backstage. And he said, hey, he's like, I want to tell you something. He's like, after your our conversation, I hung up the phone and I looked at my wife. He's like, and he t I told my wife, I don't know if I've ever met somebody who is like that. Like, I've never heard the passion like that for Robin out, come out of anybody else that I've never met before or that I didn't know. That, that, that didn't know Robin. He's like, so if you're okay with it, I want to share a story with you that nobody really knows about because it happened within our group of friends. I was like, yes, please. Like, absolutely. So Greg proceeded to tell me a story about how it was Greg's birthday and they went to a restaurant. There was about 10 of them and they had a long table and Greg was at one end and Robin was at the other. And then they had four people on each side. And one of Greg's friends stood up to do a speech to Greg. And because that person stood up, Robin proceeded to stand up and stand on the chair so that he was taller than that guy. And he acted like a translator. So this guy was giving a speech and Robin was pretending to translate it into another language. And it had not just their table laughing, but the entire room of the restaurant's <laughs> attention and everybody laughing. And I won't lie. I got really choked up at that story. I would be too. And I actually told Damn. Greg, like I, I, I hugged Greg after that. I was like, you have no, I I'm actually starting to get a little choked up now. Um, I was like, you have no idea what that means to me that you shared a story that nobody else knows other than just the people that were there. I was like, you have no idea what that means. Yeah. 
and I connected with Greg because of that over over Robin. And this because this was after his passing. Yeah. So that was just that was such a great moment. And I yeah. had something else I'll never forget. Uh final thoughts. And then we'll I'll I'm gonna mention a couple of things I want people to recommend, but we'll go around and we'll just do a last round of final thoughts before we wrap it up. Alex, anything you want to mention before we Thanks, Ben. I have to follow that. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, it's not like it's adrenaline theater. <laughs> I mean, come on. This isn't this isn't, you know, spotlight by Ben Beck. Come on, this is Wilhelm. I should have stopped with that. I should have. You should have. I mean, I got to get my tissues. I think this is sponsored by Kleenex. Jesus Christ. Hold on. It's not that kind of night, Alex. Come on. But that that, that said, I mean, honestly, those uh, those are the moments that, like you said, you you cherish. And I think Robin has given us some great moments in our lives or has helped us with moments in our lives you know i have a six-year-old i'm trying to introduce her to aladdin and all these other movies that he's done and you know what they're timeless yeah and that's 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 the gift that he can give everybody is his gift to not every movie can can be timeless but he's done not one not two but a couple of movies in his career that are just timeless so to your point he hasn't passed. He, he's not in the past. He's in the future as well as the past and as well as the present as well. So uh, I really want to thank you for letting me come on. Um, I know uh, your other guests couldn't show up, so I was a last-minute replacement. <laughs> what are you talking about? There were <laughs> but, no other but guests for this That's one. okay because, <laughs> you know what, I, I'm anytime I can uh, – hijack your your podcast i'm always <laughs> i'm always happy no but i mean seriously that that that's the thing that i always take from him all right perfect yeah i mean you're right it's one of the things that i say anytime i do my tributes online i always end it with uh you still exist which is a mm-hmm. line i kind of modified mm-hmm. from um uh, uh god why am i blanking on uh what dreams may come sorry i don't know why i blanked on that but it's that one line when he's he's whispering in her ear, his her ear, I still exist. Uh, so that's the line I always take is I always say you still exist because you're right. He's timeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, how about you? Any final thoughts and kind of keep it under 15 minutes? Uh, under 15 minutes. Well, uh, honestly, uh, that would be uh, um, I have to say, well, he is the. The comedian that I enjoyed throughout my life and I still do. He is the dramatic actor still that I see in movies that I cherish and I love. Uh, Also the thrilling movies that he's done as well. And he would always put a smile on my face. Every time I see him, every time he's on TV, Every time he's on The Crazy Ones, Mork and Mindy, or all these different comedic aspects, Happy Days, but also his dramatic work. And anytime I see anything that is documentaried or anything about helping people, because he's always there making people smile. And he still makes me smile. Awesome. 
That's a good, that, that's a good way to put it. You kept it under the time limit, which is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jerry, how about you? Any final thoughts? Yeah, it's, I appreciate, you know, him for his, just having me experience the entire range of emotion over his body of work, because like a, when a, a date and I saw one hour photo, I walked out of there terrified <laughs> because I, and I don't scare easily, but it's just one of those things. It was visceral because it, and, um, and another one, um, uh, when I watched um, Aladdin, I got the uh, you walked got, out of um, that theater terrified. No, no, <laughs> no. I got punched <laughs> by the uh, the made you look joke because oh, at, at the, the end, end yeah. <laughs> yeah, I t- actually turned around and said made you look, and I was like, I got caught. <laughs> but but just seeing you know just seeing that and know that that body of work is going to be out there forever. Yeah, it's it, and, like Alex said, it's timeless. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not. It's timeless. Yeah. Uh, a couple things. I just if you're if you're really into Robin and you want to if you want to know more about him, mm-hmm. uh, there are two documentaries available that I highly recommend. Both of them. One of them is called Robin Williams Come Inside My Mind. It was a HBO documentary yes. uh, that is absolutely fantastic. It came out in 2018, so a couple years after his passing. It dives more into his life than his death, uh, but it does cover his death towards the end obviously uh the other one came out in 2020 it came out last year it's called robin's wish Mm. this is the one that actually dives deeper into the uh the neuro the neurodegenerative issues that he had it dives more into uh the uh the lewd body the um the louis body dementia that he suffered from uh so if you want to know more about the actual physical aspects that led to his death robin's wish is the uh is the one to do is the one to watch i highly recommend them both and then the only other thing i'll recommend too is there is a fantastic book uh just called robin and it's by uh david's cough it's a a pretty lengthy book too it's about uh 550 pages i think uh but it is pretty much the the only authorized biography of robin and it covers everything from start to finish. Uh, but it is a, a fantastic book. It was also a New York Times bestseller. So I recommend that as well. Uh, cheap plugs, gentlemen. I will let you plug anything that you want to plug right now, whether it's a podcast you are on or a podcast that you listen to. Uh, and we'll start with we'll start with Jerry. Well, I have been a guest on all three of your podcasts. So. <laughs> yeah, more so Mark than anybody else, because Mark and I share a love of uh, all the movies that we do on Adrenaline. Yes. Yeah. And Ben, I was with you on your uh, car chase films. Yes, you were. Which, which was fun. And you'll be you'll be coming back to talk Star Trek and some other mm-hmm. stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and Alex, we did uh, Eight Men Out a few weeks ago. And we're going to get that edited as soon as I can get my... <laughs> my house elves to edit um uh, <laughs> hopefully by the time this is aired yeah. <laughs> uh Which no because this is going up pretty quick i'm pretty sure it is hopefully by sunday <laughs> hopefully by sunday if things yeah. go well you should be up with a whole bunch of other good content coming up like nice. i can tell you pretty much right now at the time this first posts we have will have just finished recording uh, about 
two or three hours before. So I figured I know you're pretty quick. I know you're I know you're very quick. And I'm just trying to, you know, keep He's up very with good you. at it. It's yeah. a quick turnaround. But Alex, why don't you go ahead and plug your show um, uh, whenever it decides to to post? You it. know, the, this is the problem with my show. <laughs> I keep doing. You keep having me on as a guest, and I keep getting the bug to want to do more shows. Um, I have a I have a sports show, a sports movie show, field to screen. Um, we talk about sports movies. Uh, last one that was out i believe was draft day we've got rocky two we've got coming up we've got eight men out coming up we've got bull durham so we've got a bunch of stuff coming up it's just uh um we're gonna get to them and uh like i said i want to thank you for also letting me be a guest on the show we did disney uh villains yep and um i don't know what we have slated for uh but i know when it you'll be back I'll just have to take over the damn podcast and we'll be good to go. You did it during the Disney villain. So why the hell not? Exactly. Oh, and by the way, there's one other podcast. It's called Adrenaline Cinema. <laughs> God. It, it's on the, the, the uh, Pyrocord Entertainment Network. It's a, it's a very big deal. So if you can listen to it, you can, and also Panels to Pixels. It's a really small one. So take your, take your time and listen to that. <sighs> That's Mark, it. I'm anything done. to say? Uh, yeah, I think Alex already plugged me, but yeah, I'm on Panels to Pixels podcast. That you could find that here on the Next Level Network or Next Level Online Network. Nope, you still got it wrong, but keep going. It's fine. <laughs> next Level Podcast Network. Okay, the Next Level Podcast Network. And we were closer when you just said Next Level Network. That works too. I know. <laughs> and uh, I love it. On top of that, uh, well, Steve and I are going to be, uh, well, we are, we already covered it. You should hear it within the next few days where we covered what if, which had Captain Carter, which is the first episode, uh, Jerry and I, well, that episode for adrenaline cinema podcast, it's on Pyrocore entertainment network that could be found within the next day or two as well. So we cover Planet of the Apes, and we had a good time doing talking about that. So check that out if you can. So awesome! And I, I will say, uh, on behalf of both of you guys and Jerry as well, um, Field to Screen, Panels to Pixels, Adrenaline Cinema, all can be found wherever podcasts are available. So all you got to do is search iTunes, Spotify, wherever. And you can find it just like you can this podcast, as well as uh, my other podcast, The Spotlight with Ben Beck, which finally came back after a year hiatus, uh, <laughs> which I just released my last episode with my great friend, John Wesley Ship, yep. uh, who played The Flash. I have upcoming episodes with Mark Christopher uh, Lawrence coming up. That's going to be posting sometime in the next week. Uh, I'm working on some other guests like David Duchovny, Jeremy Piven. Uh, Orlando Jones. I've got some great guests I'm working on right now. So uh, you can look for that as where podcasts. I, I do want to say one other thing, Ben, and I want to thank you, both you and Mark, because I know we have our little community of podcasters or whatever. And during COVID, you know, we more people have started podcasting and some people have stopped and some people have kind of kept going. And it, it really was because of you two that a lot of people have started. But not only that, you've really done such a great job of paying it forward. And that wraps it back to Robin Williams, where it comes back to paying it forward by helping 
anybody who wants to get started in podcasting, you two have really done a great job. And I know you've helped me both tremendously. Um, and I know you've helped a lot of people. And, you know, it's not a lot. It's not always time that you can say thank you, um, where people can actually hear it. And, you know, for those those listeners out here out there that if they know Ben, he loves the three things that he loves. And this is one of them, which is Robin Williams and podcasting. And same thing with Mark. If he doesn't, if he doesn't love adrenaline podcast, uh, cinema, um, (laughs) you know, he just, they both love doing it. And I just want to thank you for all the stuff you've done for me and the rest of our little group. Uh, I appreciate that. Alex. I mean, same here. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so just to wrap things up, obviously, uh, I encourage you guys to check out Wilhelm, follow Wilhelm on social media, facebook.com slash the Wilhelm podcast, uh, Instagram and Twitter at the Wilhelm pod. Uh, if you want to be a guest or, you know, of a topic you want to hear discussed, you can always reach out to me on any of those platforms or as well as email me directly at the Wilhelm podcast at gmail.com. Ordinarily, I don't request feedback from things, but, uh, I'm going to change that a little bit because just like, you know, Jerry and Mark and Alex shared their thoughts on Robin. If you're a listener of this podcast, I would love for you guys to share yours as well. Uh, so whether it be some of your favorite movies, some of your favorite moments, what his life meant, his death meant to you, uh, please feel free to let me know. I welcome it. Uh, you can post, you can comment on the Facebook page about that message me on the Facebook page or send me an email directly uh, again, facebook.com slash the Wilhelm pod, uh, Wilhelm podcast or, uh, the Wilhelm podcast at gmail.com. Lastly, uh, I just want to personally thank you guys for coming on. I know this was last minute, uh, cause as I said, I was originally going to do this myself, but again, I felt it would have been more meaningful to get other people's opinions as well, rather than just somebody listen to me gush on about Robin for a half hour. So I know it was last minute, um, but this episode obviously was very important to me. So I'm, I'm thankful that you guys were the ones to join me for it. So thank you for that. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for having me on. So, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Wilhelm. We've got some cool episodes coming up. We're going to talk about war movies. We're going to talk about Westerns, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, deep dive into uh, Bad Times at El Royale, and so much more. But until next time, we'll see you guys on the next Wilhelm. Take care. Yeah.